we are continuing to look at the bread of life. We, we've been looking for a few weeks uh, at the I am's of Jesus, Jesus declaring himself to be the bread of life, to be the light of the world, uh, to be the I am come. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. So, so we've been looking at his identity, and that's how, how uh, I want to address this, is the identity of the Lord, and bring back to your mind Matthew 16, him asking the question, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, of course, them saying to him, well, men are saying you're one of the prophets. And then he says, who do you say? And Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, That's revealed of my Father who is in heaven. So, so we know he's the Christ, the anointed one of God, the one that was sent of God to bring forth that that God desired in man. We know that. And, but he identifies himself in these names, in these descriptions. I am the bread of life. And I love that one. <laughs> I love what that says to me in my soul by the Spirit of God. The bread of life. And I, and I want to gather this up into your conscience one more time uh, because I'll most likely move on to I am the light of the world in the next sharing. But as we look at this, I am the bread of life. Just gathering this back up into your mind and your conscience is he's the bread of life. Life. Not natural life. Not just natural living, but spiritual life. And to have spiritual life, to have eternal life, because eternal life and spiritual life are the same thing. They're the same thing. To have eternal life abiding in us, Jesus says you must eat his flesh and drink his blood. You must eat the bread of life in order to have eternal life. That's, according to Jesus, the requirement. And I like to kid sometimes and say, well, if Jesus said it, it's probably true. And I say kid because if Jesus said it, it's not probably true. It is true. He is the bread of life. So how I have this life is I must eat of him. And I, and I need to be like those that said evermore give us this bread, but not then when when the cost of it comes before me, turn away from it. He's the only bread of life. In John 6, I believe they said, evermore give us this bread that came down from heaven when he, when he, when he began to speak about the bread from heaven. And he addressed them that your fathers ate not the true bread from heaven, I am the true bread from heaven. 
this is a problem even in Christianity today. What was a problem with them when when he confronted their fathers that Moses did not give the true bread from heaven, that that manna that came down was not the true bread. This, this became a problem amongst them because here's Jesus making himself greater than Moses and, always, and throughout the Gospels, he made himself greater than Solomon. He made himself greater than the temple. So, so he made himself greater than the old covenant. That, that was the... That was the completion of it. He's greater than the old covenant. He's more than the old covenant. And for a lot of believers today, they have a problem with that because, because as in my early walk, I somehow tried to fit Jesus into keeping the law that I was bound to Jesus. I've been born again by believing in him, but somehow I had in my mind that I still had to obey the law. Had that in my mind. And there's a lot of dear believers, a lot of good Christian believers that have that in their mind. Jesus, however, is greater than the law. He's who the law was speaking of. That's what he said, search the scriptures to the Pharisees and Jewish folks and Recorded in John 5, he says, Search the scriptures, in them you think you have life. But these testify of me. And you would not come to me that you might have life. So life, again, revolved around him. And having life means I've come to him. If I don't come to him, I don't have life. Okay? So I have to come to him to have life. And that's a whole nother kind of life. That, that doesn't just mean I'm going to naturally live forever. That's, and that's in our mind as well. And God's going to transform our minds. God's going to, to change our mind to the truth that's in Christ, the truth that's in Jesus of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. That's what God's doing. He's changing our mind. Transformation to understanding the truth the truth as it is in Christ. And that's where we are, in the truth that's in Christ. So, because that's where the Spirit put us. We may not understand all the truth that's in Christ, but the Spirit put us in the truth. The Spirit moved us in the way. The Spirit brought us to the light. The Spirit brought us into the resurrection and the life. The Spirit brought us into the person of Jesus Christ. That's where the Spirit of God has brought us. Now, like I said, we may not understand that, but that's where we are. And what we have to allow is the Spirit to guide us, lead us, teach us, and show us the truth as it is in Christ. So he's the bread of life. And the Pharisees, you, you know, were, as, as we looked at last week, they, they had a bread that was not life. And religion has a bread that's not life. There's a lot of religious ideas that don't have life. Jesus says, the words I speak are spirit, and they are life. So if I'm eating the words he says by the Spirit, understanding them by the Spirit of God, and receiving them by the Spirit of God, 
They are building me up in the life that is in me. In fact, the life that God's put me in. They're making me aware of the life that I'm in because he's the life. And that's maybe that's the first awareness we come to that he's the life. And we're maybe in the completion of this thing, going to, going to end with that as, as we go through these I am names. But I, I guess we're going to start with him being the life and end with him being the life because that's the summation of this, that we eat the bread of life that he come to give. Because he said in another place, I am come that you might have life. So the purpose of his coming was to bring you into this life of God. A whole nother life, a whole nother person than what you are according to the flesh, even what you are as a good person according to the flesh. See, see, his life is greater than our good. His life is greater than our good. Now, it'll produce good in you, because, but it'll produce the goodness of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. His life exceeds us in every way, shape, and form. And we have been brought there if we have eaten his flesh and drank his blood. Glory to God. So as we continue on in this study of the bread of life, I want to bring our minds again to Jesus feeding the multitude. It, John, I believe it's John 6, earlier in John 6, Jesus feeds a multitude with 12 loaves of bread. And I'm going to read you out of Matthew today. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 5. Actually, I give you the wrong scripture Matthew 14, in verse 14, Matthew 14, verse 14, it says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And it was when, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And I want you to get this picture. He took the bread. And this is what he said in the Passover, the la what we call the Last Supper, when he broke the bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. And he breaks the bread and gives it to the disciples. Well, here he does the same thing. He takes the bread and gives it to the disciples. They take that bread and give it to a multitude. 
and out of that multitude are taking up 12 baskets full. And that, to me, speaks of a completion, a whole. And what I mean by this is in Israel, in the natural Israel, you see 12 tribes, and the 12 spoke of the whole of Israel. And here in Christ, you have 12 disciples, 12 apostles. And in that bread that he gave to the multitude, he gave it through his disciples. And the disciples are part of the whole. Now, a couple of scriptures I want to deal with with this. The first one is in 1 Corinthians, and then the second one is in Ephesians 4. And then we're going to go in a few other places after that. But just turn with me to Ephesians, or not Ephesians, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse 16. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. Is not the cup of blessing that we bless a participation in the blood of Christ? Amen. That just moves me. A participation in the blood of Christ. That's, that's the covenant. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So as we're eating his flesh and drinking his blood, we're in a participation in the blood of Christ. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices fellow partakers in the altar? Okay, before we go to Ephesians 4, I want to bring your mind to what's recorded in the book of Exodus and then again in Hebrews 9. In Exodus 24, verse 8, after Moses had read the words of the covenant, he says to the Israelites, says, And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant, which the Lord had made with you concerning all these words. Now, notice what Paul writes again that we just read in 1 Corinthians. Is not the cup of blessing that which we bless a participation of the blood of Christ? In the Old Covenant, when Moses had read the words and sprinkled them with the blood, they were now participating in the covenant. They had to keep it. They were to keep the word of covenant. The word that Moses gave them, and they were bound in blood. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. This is such a picture of Christ. Glory to God that here the Israelites are bound to a word of God by a blood covenant. But this covenant they were bound in couldn't bring life. It could only cleanse their bodies 
from sins, according to the writer of Hebrews. But it could never purify the conscience. It could never change the mind. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Get, get a hold of that. Purify the bodies. And, and maybe the right word, in, instead of purify, I think the scripture actually says purify, but maybe a, a way to think of this is it could conform you. That covenant conformed them. Because if they didn't keep that covenant, they were subject to death. But it could not transform you. Couldn't change the mind. Couldn't change the heart. We're not participants of that blood. We are participants of a blood that speaks greater things than that of Abel. It actually speaks greater things than the law. It actually does. It speaks way greater than what those animal sacrifices spoke in the law. Now, they spoke of Christ. Really, their speaking was of Christ. But they could never bring eternal redemption. But Jesus did. Jesus did. Turn over to Hebrews 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Here, it says in verse 11, but Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean clean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, the new covenant, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive eternal, the promise of eternal inheritance. So here we have a covenant where our conscience is purified, cleansed, purged from dead works. Now I believe it deals with the works of the law. They were dead works. But I also believe it deals with the works we did in the flesh, the sins we committed in the flesh. It purged us from to serve the living God. And see, if, if I spend my life understanding what Jesus did, eating his flesh and drinking, my, drinking his blood, this becomes my substance what he did. I'm telling you, I could spend my whole life understanding what he did. That that become real in me. That I'm purged from the old man. 
And how I'm purged is he took that man that I was and you were, and he come in the body of sin and he put it to death and buried it and raised out from the dead and brought us out with him, out from that man of sin that we were, put him away, crucified him, buried him, put him away, purge our conscience. And as we eat his flesh, that's what's happening. Our conscience is being purged. It's being changed. It's being changed into what he did. That's, that's what's before me. What he did is to speak to people of what he has done. That's our salvation, what he did. Not what you and I do, but what he did. That's what we receive. When we're born again, we receive what Jesus has done. We receive him. Glory to God. And that's what we have is what he's done. I love that he purged my conscience, cleansed my conscience from dead works, from the works of Adam to serve the living God. Who lives unto God? The Bible says that, that he died unto sin, but he's alive unto God. So he lives unto God, and we live unto God in him. My Lord, what a covenant. What a participation of the blood of Christ. See, Israel, and this is the point, 1 Corinthians, where we were at, Israel was a participant in the altar. So, so what that altar sacrificial system did become, so to speak, their living. Their whole living revolved around the word that God gave through Moses. If you go study your Bible, you'll see it. That word was their living. They lived by that word. And I got news for you. We live by a word too, but a greater word, the word of God himself. We live by the word of God himself, what Jesus has done. He's the word of God himself. John says in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And so that word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we live by this word who is Christ, and this word bought eternal redemption. So when I eat his flesh, I'm believing he bought eternal redemption. I'm believing his blood has cleansed me. I'm believing the old man is crucified. I'm believing the old man is dead. I'm believing I'm crucified to the world. So when I'm eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that's what I'm doing. I am partaking of the offering that was offered. I'm believing that I'm raised in newness of life, that I've been raised together with him, seated together with him in heavenly places because I'm eating his flesh. I'm eating the word of God. I'm eating what is declared in the person of Jesus Christ. This is what the Holy Spirit is declaring in my heart, in my mind, is he has redeemed me from the dead works. He has redeemed me from the man of sin. And he has brought me unto Christ himself. 
to live there. And that's eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And I want to be like the apostles and the disciples and share that living word. Like they took that natural bread and they broke it. And it was speaking of Jesus. And they took it out and they gave it to the multitude. And the multitude ate. They took up 12 baskets full, meaning they become part of the whole. They become part of the loaf. Just like Paul wrote, we being many are one loaf. We're one bread. We're many members in one body. As we eat his flesh and drink his blood, he says, I will I dwell in you and you dwell in me. So everyone that eats his flesh and drinks his blood are members of the same loaf. Glory to the Lamb of the living God. Get a hold of this. What eating his flesh and drinking his blood says, what it, what it really means. We're members of the same loaf. We have in us the same word. We have the same glorious word to share, to deliver souls, hallelujah, from conscious, from the conscious of sin. Man, if we delivered the Christian church from the conscious of sin, Jesus already did it. <laughs> Jesus already paid for your sin. Thy sins and iniquities, God said, I will remember no more. But much of the Christian church is wrapped up in their sins and iniquities and how to, and how to get free from them. Eat his flesh and drink his blood because his flesh is meat indeed and his blood is drink indeed. I believe that's the answer. I believe as simple as that is that how we get free from bondages and we get free from, from, from situations we have is we eat of him. We come and die of the Lord. I believe that's the answer. We receive of God. We just come up to the table and say, Father, give me this day my daily bread. Give me this bread of heaven, this daily bread, this bread of Christ. Give me this allotment for today. I'm coming to you to receive my allotted bread for today. And I believe that's what we do. And we eat it, and we eat it, and we eat it. And it transforms our mind, changes our heart. Our intentions change. Our thoughts change. Our purpose changes. Because it's about him. And we begin to see our lives about him. Well, in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. And then we may go backwards to Hebrews 10 and end there, but uh, Ephesians 4 says, He that descended, but unto everyone, verse 7, I'm sorry. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. To the measure of him is every one of us given grace. Listen to that, the measure of him. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same 
also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So he gave gifts. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he gave ministry to bring us to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then what does that ministry give? It gives the bread of life. That broken bread. It breaks the bread to edify you, to build you up in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, in the knowledge of what he's done. That's what it does. And, and Paul goes on and says that we henceforth be no longer children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And here again is one love the whole body growing up into the head who is Christ, the whole body coming to the stature of the fullness of God through the work of the ministry, through the giving of the bread, through eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. That is what we do as ministry. We feed you the word that you may grow up into him. My Lord, what an awesome, awesome opportunity and responsibility. Hebrews 10. And again, the joining of the covenant. Look, look at this. Look at this. Hebrews 10 it says the law had a shadow of good things to come, but not the very image and it can never, with those sacrifices they offered year by year, continually make the comers there unto perfect. It can never bring perfection. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance of sins made every year. See, see, if I, if I continually eat of the law, I, there's a remembrance that there's none righteous, no, not one. All are guilty, all are sinners. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Wherefore he cometh. When he cometh in the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou had no pleasure. Pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings. And offering for sins thou wouldest not, neither have pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. So Jesus takes away the first covenant to establish the second covenant. And, in, and, and look at this next, by which will he come to do the will of God. Now look at verse 11, by which will we are sanctified. See, they can never be sanctified or purified. 
Their hearts and minds could never be clear of the conscience of sin through the keeping of the law, through the shedding of the animal blood. Even keeping the law, they couldn't be conscious of sin or cut free from sin. They were conscious of sin, but they couldn't be free and they're conscious of sin. But through one offering, the Bible says here of Jesus Christ that through one offering he hath perfected forever, here in this same chapter, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. How many out here believe Christ has perfected them? How many believe that? Verse, it's verse 14, Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever. Well, you say, well, Brother Wayne, I ain't perfect. Well, you may not be in yourself, but if you've eaten his flesh and drink, drank his blood, you have ate perfection. He is perfection. He gave you himself. And as we eat his flesh and we drink his blood, his perfection comes forth through, through us, what he did. Not what I'm able to accomplish. I'm telling you, it's what he did. And that's the gospel I do declare, is what Jesus Christ, my Lord, did. He's who I rely on. He's my daily bread. And he's who I want to feed you. He's the bread I want to give to you. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this. You can write to me if you'd like to write to me at a Wayne underscore Shelton at iCloud.com. You can call me on my cell phone at 540-214-8181. I would love to hear from you. I'd love for you to comment on these messages that we're putting on Facebook. I'd love you to share them. If you enjoy them, share them. Give them out. Tell other people about them. If you want more recordings, we'll give you whatever you want. May the Lord Jesus Christ fully reveal himself in you, and may he fully become your life. Father, we just pray that every heart that hears this word would be edified in the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.